0: all right okay well welcome back to the modern revolution and uh, we have another guest that we feel is important um, and as is our habit here you know we're not interested in convincing you to listen to the guests we're interested in you listening to the guest and so uh, we think they're multifaceted we think they're important Uh, and but rather than convince you of that because of what they've done in the past instead we encourage you just to listen and in that listening as we move towards the end of the podcast we'll give you places to explore and get to know our guest um, better Uh, but you know this is a person doing good work in the world and if that good work in the world resonates with you We'll make it easy for you to find her in the show notes at themodernrevolution.com. And so uh, this morning we're talking to Crystal Denise Garcia, and thank you for making time uh, to talk to us.
1: Thank you so much for having me honored.
0: Yeah, yeah thank you very much for saying that. We're um, interested to start with, you know, what problem in the world are you trying to solve? And And even before that, like, if you were going to distill your, you know, work currently in the world, how would you describe it?
1: Self-love activism. That's it. All about self-love activism. So that to me is the most powerful form of activism. And it's the most, when out of place can be the most dangerous thing Mm. when lacking.
0: So we, you know, we, we have a series of online courses at the three minute uplift and um, meditation is one of the courses that we have there. And the theme throughout our meditation courses is you can't give away what you don't have. And so Mm -hmm. you're um, as a self love activist it sounds to me like your intention is to have people turn inward before they they turn outward. I mean, is that a fair paraphrase?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it all begins with within. So I realized that how I was perceiving the world was how I was perceiving myself. Right. And so that had to, when I started to shift how I perceived myself, I mean, the world just looks like a completely different place. Mm.
0: That's a famous kind of quote from Wayne Dyer, right? For, you know, if those of my audience who are familiar with him, and I turned 50 this month, and so sometimes I don't recognize (laughs) whether my references are dated or not, but, you know, (laughs) okay, so at least you know Wayne Dyer, right? So Wayne Dyer had that expression, um, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at uh, change, Um, so -hmm. that seems like that would be true about yourself as well. Uh, So you chose self-love activism um, because you perceive that to be a really effective tool in solving problems. And so can you talk about maybe the primary problem you're trying to solve? And my guess is that it's layered. And and maybe we could talk a little bit about that as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. So I'm a human rights advocate and activist. I've been for over 20 years. So Mm -hmm. I have been in the thick of it. I've been in the gamut of it. I know what it looks like. And what I realized what I, I would get intensely burnt out Mm. and it would just, it started to affect my health, like being an activist on that level. And I'm like, what, what is it? So I delved into this for many years and, and I found that, oh, wow. At the root of every conversation of activism, if love is not in place, it Mm. misses the mark because activism can very quickly turned into a turn away from its purpose. Right. So for me, I realized that, you know, I, I had to just s- step away for, I stepped away from activism for a couple of years and tried to kind of sort out what was going on. And so now I call myself a human rights advocate. Uh, and so, but I realized that I needed to put my health first. Hmm. And as I began to do that, as I began to focus on the gentleness of self-love, nice. my health increased everything just got better for me. And then I was able to find my voice again and still stand very strong as an advocate, but from a space of self-love. So now I am able to find the root of love in what I advocate for. I'm able to find the bridge between conversations that not a lot of people Mm -hmm. can see because it can be very difficult when you're stuck and and you're dealing with the pain and the trauma that comes up in activism. And, you know, then, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, activism by definition is a conflict, right? I mean, there's a desired state that you want to move towards in a current state. And then that tension um, is, can be exhausting. I mean, there are dialogues in our current society of 2020 is, um, is wearing lots of us out, uh, you know, because it's, it's so sort of contentious and, and love doesn't feel like it's in the mix of these conversations very much mm-hmm. self-love or love for one another. I mean, it just feels like the focus is on the conflict, you know, rather than the dialogue of, um, of change. And, uh, so it would seem to me someone as immersed in, in, what you were trying to move people to and move, you know, groups of society towards would be just spending. And so if you weren't depositing, you know, into that account, you just kind of endlessly spending. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, where you chose to, to place your energy in terms of activism? It's, it seems to me that, you know, your activism isn't the activism that everybody's aware of. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Absolutely. So important, like conflict is good because it changes things up and it shifts things, but it's, and, and it's important. However, as you said, without the basis, without that, that, you know, self-pointed basis, it's just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So for me moving into the self-love activism has been such a powerful experience because I still speak very powerfully. And so, and I still speak very passionately. However, I'm coming from a space where the root of it is I want everybody to know they are loved. That's the root of everything I stand by, everything I stand up to, all the human rights conversation I'm having is I want everybody to know they're loved. And that's what, that's where community comes in. That's where unity comes in. That's where listening comes in. <laughs>
0: And uh, yeah, I guess in, in part of like just a little bit of specifics about like the communities you were looking to address, you want, you want to tell people a little bit about, about that?
1: Yeah, so absolutely. So I, I am a self-love coach, transformational speaker, and dream facilitator. And so the clients that I aim towards are those who have suffered from and who have freed themselves from covert sex trafficking, which is incorrectly called sex work. And Mm. so that's who I work with to like help detox and move towards a thriving, self-loving experience. And of course that, that conversation can, is open to absolutely everybody. It's, you know, people who have become resigned people who, you know, and most people have, unfortunately, most people are living day to day, just like, okay, this is all right. You know, and especially in the time of COVID, things can Mm. become and people can become frantic without recognizing that everything you need is right here within you?
0: Yeah, that, um, that, the complexity in terms of um, the physical expression, you know, of love as, as commerce, in a sense, I mean, uh, is a, in my sense of, of that world, which I'm not familiar with, um, is a way to break uh, sort of its nourishing qualities in a certain sense. I mean, that's, that's, um, it, you know, things that might take place in in a loving context versus things that are taking place as a t- transaction, um, mm-hmm. seems to me there would be tough to separate the two, which would create uh, like a sense of isolation and loneliness. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not the expert here, but, um, you know, self love in an environment that uh, could could degrade your ability to be intimate with those you are, in fact, you know, loving with would 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 be it's so painful. It would seem.
1: Yes. Yeah. And at first, it is. At first, self love can be very painful. I know for me, it was. I it mm-hmm. was a very intense journey because I, you know, I I didn't I wasn't just yay I'm here and filled with yeah. self love. You yeah. know, this was a hard one journey for me. I I come from you know I'm a survivor of trauma. I am a survivor of the covert trafficking industry myself or, and so I, uh, I understand how deeply interwoven those things are. And we live in a society who reinf- that reinforces these things mm-hmm. that celebrates this, this type of trafficking and mm-hmm. incorrectly, you know, buys into the gaslighting. Oh, this is empowerment. There's nothing empowerment about someone being bought and sold. Yeah. That's a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, in uh, society, um, you know, giving these nods to this behavior as being okay. And then on some level, it feels like it's an invisible problem. I mean, as of late, I've noticed, you know, more and more attention to the trafficking of, um you know, I, I think of it primarily as, as girls, but I mean, and, you know, very young women, but, um, you know, p- perhaps it's broader than that, uh and that, you know, that's just another lo- layer of invisibility to to me. Um, it seems to be that there is a, a, a heightening awareness of it, but it also feels as if, um, if you ask an individual, it's a problem out there, away from me but not right. within you know, my community. Certainly we're not doing that within my community. Uh, uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Are. And so, and there's two forms, I see it as two forms of, of sex trafficking. There's the overt that we know, like people being kidnapped, and then there's the covert people being lured. Yeah. And so pimping 101 is to leave the pimped feeling like they chose it. And so while on one hand people are starting to recognize the overt trafficking, even though, like you said, they still pretend, oh, that doesn't happen in my town. It's happening in America all over the place. It's probably happening in a family you might even know. You know, and it's right there. And, and boys are equally as affected, but we still have a blind spot with that. So I, I'm actually speaking with uh, men who are working, who have come forward with the statistics and are showing that there's a, a lot of the boys who have been trafficked who are being muted. And so, and then, so people will say, oh, I I stand up to this, but then they'll go to a strip club. Right, right,
0: right, right. Yeah, I um, I, I have a a co-worker and in that co-worker's work history before, um, you know, some of the things that, that, that we work on together had been a social worker dealing with, you know, very young girls being trafficked. And one of the things that was interesting for me to hear is... The trafficked young person um, defending, you know, effectively their pimp. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and th- how much damage was being done? And yet, not only was the person, uh, I think, not self-aware enough to recognize the damage, they were in fact sort of on the side of their of their of their abuser. It was uh, just seemed like a terrible well, that's, conflict. That
1: stuck, yeah, that Stockholm syndrome. And, you know, they're yeah. brainwashed to the point where they, you know, they have no choice but to to seek kindness in that. And, and so this is where society needs to be very conscientious because the shaming that's out in society towards those who have been trafficked
0: mm-hmm. actually
1: keeps those people closer in because, and for me, that was the effect as well. You know, knowing that I'd be shamed out in the world, it drove me deeper into where I was yeah. being exploited because better the devil you know.
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you know, we, that metaphor works in so many instances of people being stuck. Right. I mean, there's, there's a lot, and I, I, you know, as people develop a stronger sense of self-love, clearly you're kind of opening up the possibilities of their life. This is a tough road you've, you've chosen. This is, this is uh not an easy kind of community to address is kind of fraught with, um, you know, different dangers, I would expect, is this something, um, this type of work, and, and, and surely the nature of, you know, trying to combat sex trafficking isn't something you would have, I assume, known about very early in your life, but was this type of work something that you kind of felt always on the, the road towards in some sort of deep internal way, or was there an epiphany where you had, like, hey, look, I, this has to stop, and in this moment, I make my stand, I'm moving in a different direction.
1: Yes, well, it was something that it, like I said, it was a, it was a long hard journey to get here, but it was a couple of years ago where, you know, I reached a point where, you know, I had started to talk about it and I got very attacked uh, for speaking up about the reality mm. that BDSM is abuse. Mm. And, uh, and as someone who was a professional dominatrix for 15 years, I cannot be shut up. Because unlike other people who don't have the experience and people who are correctly speaking up and saying that BDSM is abuse, they're being shut down like, oh, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, I do. And I know more than most people who are saying that. So I am like, okay, I need to start giving support for the voices that who have been saying for a long time, this is not right, and who know that this is abuse. and I wanna do everything in my power to support people, choosing something that is healthy for them, that is self-loving and letting people know that they don't deserve abuse. And when you come from trauma and you come from abuse, abuse is normal. So for me, abuse was normal. So it's very easy to get lured into these worlds when that seems normal to you, when you're so used to harm and hurt. So I wanna support people you know, seeing that that's not necessary. And even people who may not be that deep into it, who might be on the fringes, or even people who are like, no, I would never do that. But everybody finding, like there's a place where everybody can look and go deeper into that self-love because you see people who are getting burnt out at work. If, the, if self-care is out of place, self-love is out of place as well.
0: So you had that experience of being lured into something that um, was abusive, and, and then it was a lot, you had a long journey within that, that world. When you, th- when you think about that pivot, um, was there an external thing that, that helped you pivot? Or was it just, you, you came to the end of your internal rope and it wasn't that something happened. You just internally said, that's not, or was there an external force that like, you know, this circumstance is just past my willingness to accept it. And now I'm going to have to change because I know it. Like what,
1: right. what, what was
0: that moment? Well,
1: the external force was not how deep and dark it got, because no matter how dangerous it got, it, it still was beyond my understanding that I didn't deserve that. Hmm. So that's the biggest piece of self-love. And when hmm. that's taken from you and when that's like abused from you, it, it no matter what happens it, at times, it's just never enough but the external circumstances that helped propel it was becoming a mom and i knew that right. okay this this world and it began it still took me a couple of years to like completely push away from bdsm but everything else that was that was out of my life and so and that began my journey of becoming sober it began my journey of you know deepening even more into self love because when you have a mm-hmm. little creature a well, creature little person <laughs> running wait, around wait, wait, wait. just pouring love on you all the um You have to face that you're worthy of love or you can't be a good parent, yeah There's
0: yeah, no I mean right. yeah, I think parenthood is a, in many people's lives is um a pivot out of uh you know those of us who aspire to be a good parent i'm in a blended family of five children, and you know your behavior is the primary lesson and so Absolutely. you know you can say all you want but if your behavior is contrary to your intended lessons um they're they're, they're useless mm-hmm. you know we've talked a lot about like the inertia the inertia for you personally and then there's inertia socially to um maybe accept or tolerate or, or not aggressively look to change when you think about um the the status quo Like, what are the underlying assumptions that say you know what this is okay like this is not the problem that that it is what you know what's going on there
1: oh yeah there's so much first of all our lack of relationship with sexuality that's portrayed as a relationship with sexuality so Mm -hmm. all of these what we call i'm i'm a sex addict with recovery in my you know under my belt and been sober for many years absent And so we look at these things and we say, oh, these acting out behaviors in society, that's sexual celebration. No, that's actually a flashy form of sexual avoidance. Mm. It's this anxiety driven hurry up, get it done, be drunk, be, you know, do whatever you can to not be present when this is going on and just get it out of the way. So it's all anxiety driven. And mm. people are portraying it as a relationship with sexuality. No, that's the avoidance of sexuality. In order to have a relationship with sexuality, it doesn't mean you have sex right away. Like that's not, that's not an automatic relationship with sexuality. So a lot of people yeah. are very confused by that. Right. You can have a very healthy sexuality and be abstinent. You can have a very healthy sexuality and whatever that is uniquely for each person, but it, it doesn't happen instantly. It takes time. And it's a very powerful energy that people are, you know, kind of just throwing themselves in and it's, it's created a lot of destruction.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean that, so, I mean, we have this, um, modeling I guess, and, uh, and confusion about, you know, healthy sexuality as, um, you know, it's a complex, I, I, you know, it's a complex idea. I mean, it's probably not just a single thing, but there's uh, a a series of behaviors that we might, you know, label as empowerment, but are actually kind of, uh, the the mask is of insecurity, not the mask of here I am. You know, yeah.
1: And it's being used as an avoidance of self-love.
0: Right. So, you know, why, um, with all of this inertia that wh- why don't people see this as a more serious problem than it is? I mean, what what, what about this problem makes it, you know, even if people are like, yeah, I, you know what, that's sex trafficking and being lured into situations that, you know, are exploitive. I, okay, it's a problem, but they don't rank it among the things that really need to be addressed. Why, why are people take it less seriously than it is?
1: Sure. Well, I think because, well, not even think we have become so normalized and desensitized, Mm. you know, at this point, it's what's more violence, more violence, more gore, more like it, we've become, we've left the realm of the subtle and just gotten so used to, we see this stuff daily on TV. We see it everywhere, you know, Mm. so people become like, oh, this is okay and you know when i have the conversations of self-love people think it's like just a frilly conversation they're like yeah okay self-love but the reality is when self-love is not in place and if we look at the you know the stock market crash in the 1920s when suicide rate escalated
0: sure
1: you know if people are putting things and and money above self-love that's self-love out of place and that can lead to suicide it is deadly you know, and the whole thing about people being like trafficked covertly and everything—a lot of people don't understand. The, they don't really understand the reality of it. They've—they've they've been so fed and so pornified. You know, we have a society <laughs> yeah. that takes porn as if that's normal. That's—that's right. that's perpetual rape. So when people are used to seeing rape uh, and and calling it entertainment. Of course, they are. You know, so many are desensitized.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, I think about the c- coming of my coming of age as a as a young boy, and access to, you know, never mind, uh, you know, video images or all of that. Like that, from a pure access perspective, like those things were. Hard to you know if you you had to really you know have somebody facilitate that for you and and so images you know even images magazines things that those were things that um, you know they were not uh, uh, at least in the community that that I was among the boys that that you know I was around they were not uh, easily accessible and then I think about being a boy in the current age and. The, you can put whatever parental controls you want on an individual phone, in the collective phones among the boys. there There's not much that they can't go and find in the way of, um, you know, you don't, and I can't, uh, you know, fall to 13, you know, teenage boy or whatever for having curiosity and interest too. I mean, I think that that... Um, that's a very difficult thing to say, hey, that's dangerous to stay away from when you're a teenage boy. But I worry about like, well, if they're getting that much stimulation at that early an age, do they look for continual escalation? And then how how do they, you know, as the people serving up that content, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems like violence um, commingled with these sexual acts kind of lend, lend itself to what you're talking about, of, of people oh, not rape with, you know, rape yeah. with,
1: uh, And the thing is, they're people. not watching sex like they think. The curiosity, there's nothing wrong with the curiosity itself. The issue is that it's being brought to porn, and because it's been so normalized. So, you know, the conversations of anatomy and, you know, that, those are important to be put into place. Yeah, but they're they're being brought to these videos and being told it's sex and it's not, and also porn has been shown statistically to to um, bring erectile dysfunction even at a young age Uh because Uh of the constant desensitization Mm. and all of that, and so that it affects them in health wise as well. So but the reality is they're watching people who have been bru- who are being raped who are being brutalized there are those who you you never know the age of who that person is regardless of the age nobody can consent to violence and so the conversation of consent is also misused and misrepresented oh they consented to be there no one can consent to rape no one can consent to violence and you you know it's yeah it's 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 yeah. horrifying
0: yeah. I mean, it's a slippery slope. I mean, in a certain sense, I mean, you're talking about something that somebody who's watching images and then this road that goes up to sex trafficking and um, the desensitization that has occurred from that has made this an invisible problem to a certain extent. And so people like you are, are, are bringing it to our attention, which is important. So um, I mean, The lessons of of self-love are applicable universally, and so people listening, you know, may have had some of these traumatic experiences, but on balance, I think the audience listening to the modern revolution, you know, may not be, uh, that may not be the dominant portion of the audience, but your message, I think, applies to all of us. And could you talk about a small practical step that if someone was listening and said, you know what, I do need more self-love in my life. What, what would you tell them to do? Like, what would be the first incremental, non-threatening, everybody can make this step?
1: Absolutely. I would say take at least five minutes to relax. Mm. Relax. That is the biggest piece of self-love. And we've been told as a society that that's a luxury. It's not it's a necessity. It's a vital part of our health. We Mm. understand how stress affects the body. We understand how our body can actually begin to break down. So take a five-minute self-love moment because when we take that time for ourselves, that is an action of self-love, whether that be through meditation or just Mm. sitting and being present with breath
0: yeah I mean i i we spend a lot of time at the our online courses um, expressing that same thing because if you don 't spend time with yourself, you um, you you know love and and intimate knowledge require time and if you 're not taking that time to focus inward, then how are you ever supposed to get to know yourself uh, in a deep way and it 's only through deep knowledge too I think you can have the sort of powerful love that you 're talking about. When we, um, when we turn to you, I mean, this is, this is a long, complicated journey you've described. Um, when you think about maybe your crowning achievement or something that you would want to be associated with when someone thinks about, you know, Crystal, Denise, Garcia, and they, they, you know, want them to think of something. They may not know you deeply, but they want to know something important about you. What's an accomplishment that you would have people learn about?
1: Yeah, so I love life. I Mm -hmm. celebrate my life. I used to live my life suicidal and now Mm -hmm. I wake up in the morning excited, joyful. I am, for the first time in my life, I feel safe. I only have healthy relationships in my life now and life just keeps getting better, you know? So just being able to live this way with such deep gratitude, aliveness and authenticity and feel so free and loved in my own being that's been a powerful accomplishment for me.
0: That, you know, for people who might be listening who are feeling trapped or for whatever reason were bad, I mean, when I listen to you talk about your best accomplishment and your greatest accomplishment, that arc of experience that goes from this is always how it's going to be. I feel bad right now and it's always going to be bad. And that arc moving from that to a life that sounds very joyous to me. And that I'm sure you have your fluctuations like all of us, but it sounds like,
1: yeah. you know,
0: the difference between weather and climate, like your climate is a cl- climate of joy and happiness. And you may have weather of discontent or whatever, but um, yeah, that's an amazing, um, I think invaluable yeah, I, accomplishment. Thank
1: you. I thought this was a fantasy. When I first saw it. Like I used to watch people and this is the value of living your life authentically and beautifully. Cause I watched people mm-hmm. who lived their life in joy. And I'm like, that's amazing. I wish my life looked like that. I wish I could experience life like that. And just that wish is what brought me here. I still didn't believe it at the time. Yeah. I didn't even believe it, but yeah, here I am.
0: So, um, let's say people wanted to learn more about you and, and find out about, you know how to connect with you, how to learn more about you, maybe even work with you. What, what's the best place to do that?
1: Sure. So, my website is Crystal Denise Garcia, which is K R I S T A L D E N I S E G A R C I dot com. You can also find me on Linktree that has all the links there, and I'm yeah. on YouTube at Open Hearts Unite. Okay. So Linktree at Open Hearts Unite as well. <laughs>
0: Open hearts unite. is easy to spell and easy to remember. So uh, do that. And then the trick with Crystal is to remember it's K, and um, and with a you know A L at the end. Well, thank you for taking time with us, Crystal. I mean, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's important. uh, The work you're doing. I'm grateful that you're doing it out there in the world. It's a heartbreak. I have four daughters and. um, you know, I mean, when you, be, when I became a parent, although I became a parent to specific children, um, in some ways, I feel like I'm a parent to every child out there. Like when I see children, yeah. I have a different <laughs> relationship with them, that the children that aren't mine, you know, I have a different relationship in terms of how, how I see them. Mm. And so, you know, in conclusion, you know, today's modern revolutionary, Crystal, Denise, is moving us forward, you know, like other people we've talked to, she's clear-eyed about our situation and brave enough to bring her thoughts and words to, you know, the arena of the public. So let her inspire you to bring your ideas into the world. Don't keep them locked away because the modern revolution needs us all. Thanks again.
1: Thank you so much.